Cape Talk. Pippers on Twitter. You can tweet her at PJC Hudson. Now, the voice you're about to hear in Book Club today might seem familiar to you because our featured author is better known as an actor than a writer. You might know David Viviers as Liam in Benalandis or from his work on series like Desert Rose and Tully's Baby Diary, Black Sails, Throw Course. You might have caught him on stage in Richard III on the big screen in Canary. You may know he won the Brett Golden Bursary, which saw him studying at the Royal Shakespeare Company or the fact that he is a Florida Cup winner. You might know all of those things, which tell you for certain that he is very good at delivering other people's words. But who would have known just how good he would be at crafting his own words? When I prep for a book club interview, I make notes as I go along and I have a blue pen in one hand and a red pen on the table. And when I read a quote that I think, oh, that's wonderful, I must remember that one, we might want to talk about that or read it on air, I grab the red pen and make a, a reference on my page. And I'm sitting looking at four A4 pages that are just covered in red ink because that is what this book is like. David has just released his debut novel, Mirage, and it is so, so beautifully written. I find myself going back to read passages over again, sometimes just sitting digesting what I had just read. The writing really is that good. It stops you in your tracks. David, thank you for a beautiful book and thanks for making time to come into studio today. Welcome. Oh, Pippa, thank you so much. What an honor to be here. And thank you for your kind words. Well, they are deserved. I confess, I'm feeling a bit of imposter syndrome there because I know that your book launch was hosted by a Booker Prize winner, Damon Galkut, last (laughs) night, um, which is quite an intimidating act to follow. He's been quite a significant mentor to you, though, hasn't he? Oh, completely, yes. I was so lucky to have him, um, you know, take me on under his wing. Obviously, um, he took me on before he won the the Booker Booker, Prize. I think if he'd won it afterwards, I would have been too terrified to even (laughs) contact him. But I mean, he's just been so amazing all along and he's been there right from the start for me. How did you make that connection with him in the first place? Well, I did my MA at um, in creative writing at UCT, and we have to have a uh, a mentor to kind of help us through. Right. And they asked me, you know, who would you who would you want to mentor you? <laughs> and I was like, well, I might as well, you know, just aim big, exactly, yeah. dream big. Um, he'll obviously never reply to me, but let me send him an email and ask him. And I was like, dear Mr. Galgut, because I didn't want to, you know, respect and all that. Um, I want to write a book. My name is David. I think it wants it needs to be set in the Karoo. I think there's a Victorian author, a dead mother and time that behaves weirdly. <laughs> Would you be interested? Um, and he said, you know, let's meet and chat. And he, with those kind of random threads, he took me on. Amazing. What an opportunity. Okay, so I mean, you've nailed it there. The sort of the, the book note summaries Victorian author, dead mother, <laughs> Karoo, and time behaving strangely is kind of the <laughs> precy of the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, to give a slightly longer precy for those who haven't read it yet, Mirage is about a modern day student named Michael who is researching a Victorian writer named Elizabeth Rose Tennant, and a trunk containing her diary and some other things is dug up in the Karoo, and it unlocks a mystery of exactly who she was and what she buried out there and how exactly she died in 1899. But that mystery really is the mechanism for bigger questions about the nature of the universe and about the concept of faith and of God and of how we process pain as human beings and also at its crux I think about the depth of a mother's love for her child which Mm. is something you absolutely nailed Uh, David we'll talk about that more Um, there is a wonderful set of images that are crucial in unlocking the mystery and one of them is a seed at the bottom of a boot what is the seed that gave birth to the idea of mirage? Um, well, I think it probably started in the Karoo. It started with the landscape. I was on my way to Sutherland to look at the stars with a friend. Yeah. And we spent a night in Mikey's Fontaine. 
And it was my first time I was in the village and I, w- I was just so taken by this place that seemed caught in time, you know, and it's almost like you're not quite sure if there's a very concerted effort to preserve it like that or if yeah. it just hasn't moved on for like a hundred years. Um, and I think it was probably that night after a few glasses of wine in the <laughs> in the village bar where I told my friend, you know, I think I want to, I want to, I really want to write a book. Um, and she said, well, go apply to UCT and, and, and do it. And that's, I think, where it first started. So the the Karoo stars, the Karoo landscape, um, you're making me think of my conversation with Barbara much last year, who also spoke about the vastness of the Karoo and how that mm. sense of it being almost uncapturable in words inspired her to write her book, The Fire Portrait. There are a lot of um, similarities of theme, which we'll get to as well. But the fascination with the stars, I mean, it's absolutely mm. central to the story of Mirage. Michael's late mother was an astrophysicist. Uh, his memories of her are all tied up in stories and sky watching and telescopes and and nights spent together gazing up and then we have the writer back in 1899 Elizabeth Tennant searching for meaning everywhere and trying to make sense of what seems unintelligible in some respects I mean have you been fascinated by the stars all your life or was it literally a random drive through my Eastman but the fact that you were making that drive towards Sutherland tells me that there was an interest there already absolutely I mean I think I've been interested in the stars since I was a a, a young child Um, and someone asked me the other day they they asked you know you probably had to do a lot of research for this book which is true yeah but I do think the research started, you know, since I was in my childhood, because these are all topics I was very interested in. And I remember my dad used to print out um, the astronomy picture of the day, which mm. is like a website. And each each day they have a different picture of something in the cosmos. And I remember reading at the bottom that there was this place called Sutherland in South Africa where you could go look at the stars. And since then, you know, I've always wanted to go there. So it was, oh. yeah, but it's been going on in my head since since then, I think, since those early days. I feel like you need to take a copy and bury it out in the felt somewhere Maybe there, I David, should. That's in a, a trunk. Good idea. Maybe one day someone will dig it up. Oh, and then we can start the whole story meta. again. Yes. It would be terribly meta. <laughs> so, uh, Elizabeth, let's go back to the, the early plot line because, of course, there is the story of Elizabeth in the, in the 1890s. There is the story of Michael in the current time. There were also back flashes to Michael's mother's, um, Erica's mm. life uh, in between all of that. Elizabeth, the writer, she she is an outsider in that town. So it's, it's a fictional uh, town called Sterfontein in the Mm. middle of nowhere but Elizabeth has been raised in faith she's grown up on a mission station she has spent time in a convent and now we find her in the Karoo in the middle of nowhere she's working on a book that her publisher doesn't seem very excited about she is struggling to find words to express what she is seeing and trying to make meaning out of Mm. she is a writer literally with a very quiet voice which I found wonderful but um, I mean Tell us a little bit about that character. Do do mm. I spot elements of an Olive Schreiner in there? Absolutely. Okay. It was yep. hugely based on, on Olive Schreiner. Um, <clears throat> I first read Olive Schreiner's book, The Story of an African Farm, when I was in university. Um, and I wouldn't have read it otherwise. And I was just so taken by how she writes about the Karoo landscape and this kind of um, spiritual unity she feels uh, from you know the Karoo rocks to the stars to the people and the succulents. Um, and she once wrote a letter to a um, to a priest, and they were talking about God. And she said, "You know, to me, God is far more immediate. Um, he's in he or she is in the landscape, in the train rushing past, in the crew, you know, in the stars, in the rocks. It's something palpable." And that I think it struck a chord with me. And it's that feeling when you know when you've had an idea for so long, and then you see it in print, and you're like, "Ah, oh, yes, that's kind of putting words to to what I was thinking." And um, the fact that someone who was living in the 1800s did that, I, I found really, yeah, it really resonated with me. 
So Elizabeth does that to a degree. She writes a letter. She's a correspondent with a nun uh, back in England and she writes a letter trying to explain the fact that she feels, I think the word she uses, oh, I feel closest to God here yeah. that, uh, that I have in my whole life. And But the way she tries to express the sense of everything being connected and, and this universal sense of God disturbs the nun who receives it. The letter is returned to sender and the correspondence yes. is, is broken off. Is it just, do you think, too far outside of the confines of, of religious dogma? Or, I mean, it's because I, I read that as somebody who is not particularly of faith and thought it was beautiful. It was a beautiful concept mm. and not in any way threatening. But yes. clearly it, it, it's very bothersome to the nun who receives it. Yes, I think there was actually an incident with Olive Schreiner as well where she lost a friendship because yep. of her, of her, I guess, very progressive views. And I think it was inspired by that. But um, as you say, it wasn't an antagonistic letter at all. It was yeah. just almost wanting to share this spiritual feeling that, she's, that she felt in the Karoo. Um, and this idea of a of a scarlet curtain, which is a huge theme of the book, yeah. where you know it's almost like this curtain separates our world from another more beautiful world, where all the things that we lose in this world kind of slips through and and is saved in this new realm. Um, but I guess the the nun who received the letter just wasn't maybe open to it. You know, she also lived in England. She doesn't know our landscape. So I guess it's all I that. I really well. appreciate it. No. I mean, that idea of, of this, this next realm that people have slipped on into that mm. you will meet again is, is very powerful to Michael, your student, because yes. Michael has known a tremendous amount of loss in his life. He lost his mother very young. Mm. He's also recently lost his lover, Daniel, mm. and is heartbroken over that, that, that split. Uh, tell us a little bit more uh, about Michael, the character, and his development. I think, you know, I think Mirage at its heart is a story of, of loss. And we meet Michael where he's living alone in Hatfield Street, which is the actual street in yep. Cape Town. Uh, he's living alone with his cat. He's just gone through a breakup. You know, he's not in a great, he's not in a great space. Um, and I think, you know, the idea of cracks and holes and portals kind of run throughout the book. Mm. And the sense of trying to fill, you know, holes that we have within ourselves. Because we all experience loss or trauma to some extent, mm. whether it's a dead relative or a breakup or a friendship you know that what once was beautiful but you know for whatever reason couldn't last um and i think the book is it's trying to make sense of all these different losses and how we find healing um and do these things disappear forever you know or do they are they just kind of can we make sense of it in another way are, mm -hmm. are we all just recycled atoms and stardust that keeps taking on different forms you know or yeah just yeah i think it's a novel of ideas it's a lot of ideas I love that image of the stardust forming, reforming, breaking and, and coming back in new patterns. And it's echoed through into Elizabeth's comments about the landscape around mm. her and uh, a man who walks that landscape with her, who has a deep appreciation of, of the flowers and the, the, the flora of the, of the bush mm. in that part of the world. And his ability to to sort of see everything as connected is so central to the story. Just for those who've come in late to the interview, David Viviers is with us in studio, the author of a debut novel called Mirage. And um, um, I'll tell you where to get your copy at the end of this interview because you must, really, you must. <laughs> I mean, throughout the novel, there is this wonderful sense. So Michael is, is as you say, he's, he's trying to plug holes in all kinds of different ways. He is feeling drawn Elizabeth is the writer he has been studying, but he feels drawn to go to the crew to find out mm. where she lived and where she died. Mm. And he feels drawn to this place. And when her diary is found, he, he sees in that writing in the diary something which speaks to him and to his life. And he starts to make connections that may or may not be there. And you are left throughout this book second guessing 
well, is there actually some mm. giant cosmic pattern happening here that's going to be whoa at the end? Or is this just a young man in pain searching for connection because he has lost so much? And I won't tell you which of the two explains <laughs> at the end. Um the one bit that really broke my heart was the story of his mother, Erica. Um, my, uh, David, I think a lot of women in particular are going to respond to her story. I mean, you talk about the different kinds of loss. In Erica, there is not just the loss of a marriage, but there is the loss of the future she thought she was going to have to a degree. She is a woman, when we meet her in her younger years, fiercely set upon a career in science. She's passionate about the cosmos and trying to understand it. And Early in the you know the book, we see her looking at her friends starting to get married and settle down and have babies and give up their careers, and she is scornful of them, and she mm. says, that will never happen to me. And of course it does, and along the way she gets diverted. And then towards the end of the book, we, we have a moment with her looking back, and what I loved about it is she's looking back not with dissatisfaction. Mm. It's recognizing there is love, there has been value in the life I have led, but there is this recognition that this is not the life I set out to have. Um, and so we get the, those stories in flashback to her youth, in flashback to Michael's youth, and then in another way at the end of the book, which I can't explain because it would give too much away. But suffice to say, those final pages, David, had me in tears. So Gosh. you owe me a box of tissues, okay? Um, I just, if I may want to share a little bit, there is a, a quote of her imagining what she wants to say to her son, Michael, as she looks to his future. Uh, she'd like to tell him about the days when the world feels taut with possibility, when mornings are fresh and clear, when you lie in amaryllis fields with someone you love and laugh at the sky, about the days when everything becomes grey and shapeless, when gravity becomes stronger, about the people who promise to hold you gently and forever, even as their fingers slowly loosen. For the most part, life will lie somewhere in between, made up of shopping lists and tax returns and tiny words exchanged with people you don't always feel like talking to. All these things will pass, Mouse. That mother's <laughs> message to her son uh, just had me in goosebumps, David. It is Gosh, so, so beautifully so captured. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about mm. Erica's story. Uh, I mean, is she inspired by anyone? Tell us a little bit about what you wanted to do with Erica, the mom. Definitely. So yeah. I actually lost my own mother when yeah. I was three Gosh. Um, to breast cancer. And I think it's so strange. I only realized, I think halfway through writing this book, that it was, I was trying to make sense of that loss through, through, the, through the writing process. Sure. Um, so I think in a way, a lot of Mirage was subconscious and it was just a, a way of letting all that come out. Um, but I wanted specifically to capture the bond between a mother and a young child, a single, a single mother mm. and a young child, um, and the various as aspects of, of that relationship, um, you know, its hardships and its beauty and, and the sense of promise. You know, she's so excited to share the, the future. seems like there's so many possibilities of travel and seeing the stars together and talking about the cosmos. And then what it means when that beautiful bond is taken away, because surely something like that can't just disappear. Mm. You know, there's too much love, there's too much energy. Where does it all go? And I think that was a, a big concern of, of the book. A central question. A central question, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. There is a father figure, although he's mm. felt very much an absence for the majority mm. of the book until right near the end. And only in those final chapters do we realize that this too is a character shaped by loss and by trauma. Mm. Um, particularly in his case by experience of war in Angola. I don't want to say too much more, but David, obviously you're too young to have been conscripted to go and fight on the yes. border. Uh, I mean, research and who did you turn to for insight into that character's journey? Um, I think I remember reading the, the novel Morphe uh, yeah. a while back and I think that kind of, 
I think first piqued my interest in conscripts' experiences on the on the border. But I have always been interested in the border war and the kind of silence around it. I mean, yeah. our dads were there, and yet none of them talk about it. And that's not. This is not just me saying this. I mean, all my friends unanimously agree that it's just the silence about it, mm. and they don't talk about it. And I think the book also is very interested in silence and the failure yeah. of words and language to communicate South African experiences. So I think. Um, yeah, it was it was that that kind of I wanted to kind of investigate. Yeah. Now, before we run out of time, a qu- just a bit of curiosity. Mm. Do you think your work as an actor influenced mm. the way you wrote? I mean, you yeah. are somebody who's used to imbuing words with meaning, but not only through the words themselves, through the pacing, through the tone, uh. through the gaps between the words. You don't have that luxury on a printed page of saying pause now for a second to give it more impact. (laughs) Uh, I'm just intrigued by whether you think the one art form influenced the other. I think, you know, I think it must have, although it's hard for me to say because I don't know what it's like to not be an actor and write. (laughs) But I think where it maybe helped the most was seeing scenes in terms of their rhythm, you know, and where to kind of... Start them, you know, with a film, for example, you often start halfway through the action. You don't yeah. always need to lead up and set the set the scene. Um, so I think it maybe helped with that. But in terms of the characters, you know, it did take quite a while to find their ticking clocks and their mm-hmm. psychology. Um, but for me, I think it, yeah, it was the rhythm, maybe the awkward beats, because I'm someone who appreciates awkward humor <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Maybe yeah, that that helped. We haven't got time to delve into the stories of all the quirky cast of strange characters, particularly those out in Stadfontein. You've got some absolutely I mean, delightful characters there um, uh, who, who make you second-guess yourself. Like, is this actually some kind of psychic connection? A century apart, you have a Victorian writer writing about a boy who doesn't yet exist and knowing what he's going to look like and what his mother's going to look like in the future. Or is that actually just a giant coincidence and again the book speaks to whether anything is ever a coincidence or merely a reshaping and forming of what has already been before Um, it is absolutely delightful in the exploration of that concept what do you hope readers are going to take away from the book David? I think if it could just if if a reader could have a personal connection with it, I think that would be the biggest, mm. you know, the the thing that would make me the happiest. If they could maybe look at the world slightly differently to how they did before they started reading, um, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is a in a way a meta- metaphysical mystery and a thriller. But for me, it's if it can have a personal emotional connection with the reader, I'm happy. Okay. Yeah. And. Um if we if we extend the metaphor of the collections of stardust forming and breaking down and reforming and reshaping, is uh, Mirage already reshaping itself into a new second novel by David <laughs> Vivius? I must say, um, to start a book is, I feel like, the hardest part. And I've tried to kind of think about the next one. It's all very murky at the moment. But let's hope that the atoms reshape into something else, because I would like to keep writing, you know, for as long as I can. I would like to keep reading what you write, so please, <laughs> please do, do work on the shaping of that stardust for us. Uh, for those who would like to find the book and read it for themselves, uh, David Viviers is the author. Uh, Mirage is the title of the book, published by Umutsi, which is a, an imprint of uh, Penguin Random House, and it is available in all good stores, bookstores now. It has yep. hit the shelves already at 290 rand in paperback. Is there an e-version available? There David? is an e-version yeah. uh, okay. and a Kindle version, and also you can order it online if you want from Take A Lot or Loot, okay. and they have some quite good specials at the moment if you want to save a few bucks nice to know because yeah. it is worth investing in okay enjoy it it is a treat waiting for you to unwrap uh, David Ralph Vivius thank you so much for joining us in student studio today thank you for this beautiful book and all the best Pippa thank you so much it is called Mirage <laughs> <laughs>